<laughs> I am Kyle. Uh, unfortunately, Sam is in the process of moving this week. So Micah and I are taking the reins this time. Or should we say That's attempting right. to take the reins? Uh, we'll go Trying with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Micah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing really, really well, Kyle. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing this interview with uh, Dr. Bill Roach. How are you doing? I am doing good overall. It is a wonderful day that the Lord has made, and it is, it is good. He's on the throne, and I am secure, so nothing to complain about. I did realize one thing I said uh, this morning— and I know this program in some markets is broadcast in the afternoon. I think we might even get into the evening. Uh, so sorry for that discrepancy, anyone listening at those times. <laughs> good afternoon, but, good evening, and good night to all of you guys out there. Exactly. To Radio. <laughs> exactly. But Wikipedia Radio is sponsored by Equipping the Persecuted. Uh, Equipping the Persecuted does phenomenal work in Nigeria, equipping persecuted Christians, go figure, uh, who are under threat by radical Islam. Now, we push that every week. We push that because it's important. They're more than just a sponsor. They are a partner. They're almost another part of enemies within the church because of how linked we are. Enemies within the church is not just about tearing down dangerous ideologies we support things as well and there's a lot of exciting things coming down the pipes in over here in the west as well we have exciting projects that we are moving towards but not just yet we will be announcing those in the coming weeks and months as we get things rolling for now, we're going to jump into an interview with Dr. Bill Roach, who's going to break down a big sounding word for us or phrase for us, standpoint epistemology. Now, we hope that uh, Dr. Bill Roach is going to break that down and make it a little bit more understandable for you. And I encourage you all to really, really engage with this interview, listen to it. Bill is a phenomenal apologist, philosopher, and he will use big words. But if you stick with it, all of those words will get defined and will get broken down. But first, let's hear a little bit about equipping the persecuted. Nigerian Christians are being driven from their home and killed. As radical Islam encroaches from the north, Christians are being persecuted on a daily basis, forced from their homes and put into camps. Equipping the persecuted delivers food, medicine, and critical aid after these attacks. They provide support for widows and orphans of murdered Christians. Make a contribution of $19 per month or more at equippingthepersecuted.org. Make a difference in the life of a persecuted Christian in Nigeria. Welcome back to Wikipedia Radio. Today, as you heard, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Bill Roach about standpoint epistemology, a big and scary phrase, but we're going to show you that it's not so big and scary and what it actually means. So please welcome to the program, Dr. Bill Roach. Thank you. It's really just a pleasure of mine to be able to be here and to talk about this interesting topic and hopefully equip everybody to defend the faith once for all given to the saints. Amen. Amen. Uh, 
Now, Dr. Bill Roach is formerly the president of the International Society of Christian Apologetics and currently is the director of theological studies at Veritas International University. You can also find him on YouTube. He has a YouTube channel just under his name, uh, Bill Roach. And he has some great content there, whether you're into uh, philosophy and apologetics, or if you're into uh, MMA and uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I find it funny and interesting how many apologists that I know have a mix of spiritual fighting and also physical, whether that's MMA or boxing. I love it. Uh, Great combinations. But Dr. Bill, uh, what is standpoint epistemology? Can you give us a breakdown of that? Uh, help sure. the, the listeners understand. Well, standpoint epistemology is a term that was coined by James Lindsay. And James Lindsay is a figure who has probably been one of the the key leaders responding to the whole woke movement or social justice movement or the diversity movement or the inclusion movement or the equity movement. And the point <laughs> of listing all of that is, is that it's a broad movement. It's sort of an issue that as we're looking at a train, there's usually not just one cart to the train or the very front of the train. There are multiple carts to the train. And when they take heat on one cart, they pivot to another term, but they do the exact same things. So what we're going to do with this as we discuss it is I want to give credit to who credit is due, namely, this is a term developed by James Lindsay, but the concept can go by a variety of different terms. It could be standpoint epistemology. It could be perspectivalism. It could be Nietzsche's concept of will to power. It could be uh, a few other philosophers, Gadamer's historicism, or it could be figures um, such as Heidegger's ontology of being. And these are big terms, but I don't want us to be scared because here's why they use a lot of terms like that. They use it to almost intentionally confuse people in the midst of these conversations. So you start to think to yourself, oh, there's no possible way that I'm going to be able to discuss this. You know, this is high academic language and so forth. But one of the things that I found is, is that if we're going to study philosophy, it is common sense for the common man who can usually smell out when something's not either common or common sense in that regard. So let's use what standpoint epistemology is, because I think it's the easiest one for us to grasp, and it's a good one to to look at. So epistemology is just the study of of knowledge, of how we come to know things. And this is just a, a discipline that's been given throughout the history of philosophy, and it's trying to ask questions related to how do I know something from my senses? How do I know something that's in the past? How do I know something that's written down on a piece of paper? Because we know it's one thing to see a painting of a mountain versus seeing the mountain versus reading a book about the same mountain. And that sort of adjudicating, talking about the differences between them, that's the discipline of epistemology. And standpoints, we recognize those 
in just our common day-to-day life. If we're going to see a car wreck that's going on or really any incident that's going on, let's use two illustrations for it. The first one's the car wreck. And if you're driving down the road and you get in a car wreck, you have the perspective or the standpoint of the person in your car, or you have the perspective of the person in the other car, or you have sort of the guy that's standing on the side of the road that watches it all happen. So it's our standpoints are sort of informing what we're trying to know. Uh, Another example of it is, is that if you're going to watch a baseball game, we have the umpire that sits behind the plate, and then you have the umpires that are out in the field. And why do they do that? Because from the different vantage points or standpoints, they're going to see that ball or that play from different angles. Now, on the Mm -hmm. surface of it, people probably think, well, that seems to make sense, right? There's, there's different avenues or standpoints of things, but that's not how these guys are using it. They're not just trying to say that, you know, the umpire behind the plate has his perspective of the same thing, and the umpire behind the first base has his perspective of the same thing. Rather, each umpire is seeing a totally different reality. So one may be seeing the actual baseball player. The other one may be seeing, some, seeing something completely different, maybe hockey or some different sport. And that's where the difference is. What standpoint epistemology is trying to argue is that based off of our racial makeup, our historical makeup, our religious makeup, our different avenues of maybe we affirm different sexualities or religious makes up all the different things like this are giving us insights into quote reality. But the key is this reality is not fixed and final. There are no valid validating paradigms of the external world. So that's a lot to say of it's a pure subjective understanding. It's a form of relativism. What is true is how you view it, not what actually corresponds to reality. And we can get into more of the details Mm -hmm. there, but I want to make sure that we get the big picture of what's kind of going on. And then we can really give a lot of examples of what it looks like and how they actually get to it. Yeah, no. And I really appreciate the way that you broke that down. Uh, And I, I, I think a lot of people listening might still be, wow, those are a lot of terms. That's a lot of information. Uh, But it's all critical and important for understanding the mechanics of what is going on, both from the the system uh, that's being used, but also uh, from the people using this. Uh, Now, is it fair to boil it down to a common, uh, a common phrase like this uh, that I know everyone's heard? Well, that's true for you, but that's not my truth. That's exactly what it can be, is that there actually is the idea is that you have truth that is spelled with a capital T, and that's something that's external to us. It's something that's absolute. It's transcultural. Doesn't matter whether you're black or white, male or female, live in the 20th century or the second century. Truth is truth. But this whole Mm -hmm. postmodern idea is that truth can be spelled with a lowercase t. And it's 
all of these different factors give you your little truths that do not correspond to reality, that cannot be communicated, that cannot be put down in propositional form. So then how do we know what's actually true in the world that we live? Well, that's where we come back to Nietzsche's concept of the will to power. Whoever has the most power has the, quote, truth of the matter. It's not like it actually corresponds to reality yep. in any sense. It's just might makes right with it. And that's so much of what we see today, isn't it? Is that we see that people oh, yeah. don't want to actually debate the actual facts and the truth of a matter, capital T, truth of the matter. It's rather their perspectives or their standpoints or lowercase t truths. And then when they get mad, what they're going to do is use different power struggles, either playing the victim or exercising power as a teacher or a principal or a president or whatever position of power they have, not to win the debate, but to enforce their view. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, guys, everyone listening, this is critically important because that is the heart of wokeness. That is what we are facing. Truth has been kicked out. This is not a battle over truth to them. This is a battle over power, power to uh, define truth, define what is and isn't acceptable. That's why we see the absolute chaos is going on right now around simple things like what is a man? What is a woman? And that's why they're trying to shove it down people's throats. People in powerful positions are trying to shove down the throats of everyone, especially children, to get them to believe uh, something that is not that doesn't correspond with reality. Exactly. Uh, you know, it it's trying to get someone to believe that there are five apples when there's only four apples sitting in front of them. That's why we had this whole absurd phrase that went on two plus two equals five and it's like no two plus two doesn't equal five unless you're willing it to power in order to say if you're going to affirm two plus two equals four that's white western male therefore it's oppressive it's a total kafka trap and it's a total debater's trick that they put us in but these are real things that happen mm -hmm. i mean for example you know we aren't afraid to to name names in these regards and there was an issue that was going on, uh, two of them, and they were going on at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, you know, historically considered a conservative evangelical school. But as the proverbial nose of the camel came in through the diversity programs, you started to see a shift. And they had this whole talk with a professor from Wheaton that came down, but they had some of their faculty there, and they were talking about this issue of objectivity and interpretation. And they looked at one another side to side, like, well, who gets to decide which view is correct? And they were like, nobody believes in objectivity, except they just gave us an objective claim that all of us are supposed to objectively interpret about the facts of the matter that are cross-racial, cross-cultural, and so on and so forth. But the point is, is that it came down to who's going to enforce such a matter. And one of the figures that was mm -hmm. saying this was their program director of the diversity program, Walter Strickland. And he did an interview with a man named Carl Ellis. And they were talking about 
what is it like to be an African-American in, quote, white spaces? And they told the story of Joseph. And we know how Joseph uh, ended up in Egypt. His brothers sold him off. He came under one pharaoh, and he rose to prominence. And then he was put into prison, and another pharaoh came about. And that pharaoh knew not Joseph. And they used that illustration to say, you know, you get hired under one president to bring in all of these different diversity programs. And if a new president comes about and he doesn't agree with what you're saying, well, he can get rid of you. That new president, that new pharaoh, knew not Joseph. But here's what they said. The reason, this is where this whole will to power comes about. They said the reason that you have to figure out who all of your detractors are and their language, root them out, is because if not, they're going to get you out. They're going to get rid of the, the victim Joseph in this situation. But doesn't that sound like so much of what's going on in our school districts right now and what's going on in the school boards and the universities and in the legal realm is that they don't want to actually debate whether or not objectivity or truth is something that can you know, defend itself in the streets. Rather, they just want to push you out. They want to be away with it. And that's how it's really affecting people's lives. People have lost jobs over the matter of this relativism, this this enforcing power of postmodernism that they're giving to mm -hmm. individuals. Yeah, and that's what cancel culture is. It's when you are not willing to debate something and you cause a an emotional stir to push someone out. And then to cancel them in all forms and all places to block their uh, their ability to to live until they have done certain actions to quote restore themselves, but they can never remove the stain. Um, it's okay if someone is teaching a falsehood. Again, this is a matter of from a Christian perspective. This is a matter of truth. When someone it comes preaching something that is false, we are to push them out the door. Now, we're also supposed to try and correct them in the process, but the whole point is we're supposed to kick that falsehood out the door. That's not cancel culture. That's not negative. That's standing for truth, capital T, truth. Again, these people are not fighting a battle of what is and is not true, capital T, true, they're fighting a battle of uh, push the person out and it's a lot harder to debate ideas than get it is to get idolatry. somebody out of your school. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get your HR department it, involved it than it is to actually win a debate before the student body. And that's what we've ran into. <laughs> so this whole idea of a standpoint epistemology. It's interesting because, you know, the classic illustration that Lindsay has given is this – he gives this idea of grayscale, or we could almost think of it if we don't even want to get into what is grayscale. There are different colors that are out there, and we, we think about this. Like if you take an art class and you've got red, green, yellow, pink, so on and so forth, all the difference. But what this view is arguing is that – the more oppressed you are, the more colors of the world you are able to see. 
So if you are a white Western Christian male, you can proverbially only see lowercase r reality in one color. And everything that you see is through that one color. And another analogy is that to a hammer, everything is a nail. So to the white Western, you know, oppressive male, they're running around with this this color grid that's just a hammer pounding nails and enforcing laws and coming up with notions that are enacting systemic racism and, and all the rest. But <laughs> if you look at the way that they calculate and measure victimhood, you know, if it's white Western male, well, what if you're a white Western female? Well, you'll be able to see two colors. So your hammer is going to go around and, you know, hit many of the same things that the, say your husband's. Oh, we can't use that. That's another oppressive term, right? No, uh, we're not going to buy into that kind of stuff. But you see how, how much it gets into. But the point is, is that let's take some of the opposites. What if you're sort of a, say you're an African-American who's from Africa, so you're kind of not necessarily Western. Let's just say you're a tribal religion and you are transgender-leaning homosexual. I mean, I'm trying to go off on the full spectrums of what these may be. And you, you, we could even go so far as to say you can't even tell people what your pronouns are because you haven't even learned the white Western ways of writing pronouns in such a way. So, I mean, the levels of oppression are up there. Well, you see the most colors. You see everything that's out there. And what it means to do critical social justice is you have to inform people of these, quote, different colors of the world from your different perspectives that you have from it. And you have to know down deep that the white Western male or anybody that has lesser, quote, oppression, they don't see those colors. And they have to trust yeah. you on what you're actually saying. But the point is, is that if they can't see them, they can't debate the facts of the matter. Your job is to sit and listen and to be re-educated on the matter. And that's exactly what standpoint epistemology is trying to get, is that you don't see the full mm -hmm. color scale. You are the oppressor. And it's time for you to sit down and listen because you need to see the full spectrum of things. And what happens is, is that discernment isn't just seeing the difference between that which is true and false. It's between, it's the issue of seeing that which could apparently be true and is actually false because there is an element of truth that, yeah, we don't always see things like there's an element of like, oh, I'm driving down the road and I thought it was a cow, but it was actually a bale of hay. But here's the difference. Yeah. You can actually investigate whether or not it's a cow or a bale of hay. Get close to a cow. You know, start poking it like you would a bale <laughs> of hay. It'll let you know. You'll find out but real these people quick. Don't allow yeah. Well, it goes back to the the analogy you used uh, towards the beginning of, of baseball. You have the different umpires. Why do you have the different umpires there in different positions? Why are they all looking at the same thing? Now, they have their specific specialties, but they're all looking at the same events. Why? For corroboration. Exactly. They can corroborate what happened from these different angles because they know they are only seeing one side. They can only see one side of the play. They cannot be in all places exactly. at the same time. But what they agree on is that a 
baseball was thrown and an event occurred after it was thrown. And they are corroborating what that event was. Was it a strike? Was it a ball? Was it a hit? Did it go foul? They're all looking for the same truth. Now, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, uh, Bill. We need to have you back because this is good conversations. These are the heart issues of what wokeness is. I hope people, especially as we got later in, got almost confused about, wait, are they talking about standpoint epistemology or are they talking about critical race theory? Because that is where critical race theory, intersectionality, that's where they exactly. begin is in these uh these philosophies specifically this one standpoint epistemology the subjectivizing of truth uh again thank you for joining us and we'll be right back wow that was a wonderful wonderful breakdown of standpoint epistemology uh very much a pleasure to have bill on the program and we're definitely going to need to get him into the studio again to do a couple That's more right. breakdowns and topics with us. Uh, but if, if you're still wanting more, or if you're still a little bit confused, stay tuned because Bill also joined us for a podcast where we dove a little bit deeper. So be sure to check out Wikipedia on YouTube, on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, we That's are right. yeah. more places than I even know. I see new ones pop up all the time that we get distributed to, but go check those out to make sure that you hit, you catch that podcast as well, where we dive a little bit deeper. Uh, what do you think yeah, of guys, that, Micah? I thought that that was really good. I was very appreciative that uh, Dr. Bill Roach was able to come on our podcast, and um, I appreciate you for uh, doing that interview with him. Really, really insightful stuff here. We need to know what the um, tactics are that the devil is using to try to yeah. influence and infiltrate the church. Um, that's oh, yeah. what Enemies Within the Church was about. That's kind of what Wikipedia is all about. And yep. uh, I'm just I'm glad and honored that we were able to have Dr. Bill Roach on the show to break that down for you here. We're going to have him on many, many more times into the future. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it's insightful stuff. And hopefully that was helpful to all of you guys. Um, maybe you're familiar with uh, standpoint theory. Maybe you weren't familiar with it at all. But I'm just um, I'm grateful that we got the opportunity to hear from him. And hopefully that was helpful to all of you um, out there who are listening to us at Wikipedia Radio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And. I guess that now unlocks us. We can use the, the term standpoint epistemology uh, whenever we want now, right? We don't ever That's have right. to define yeah. it again. Is that what that yeah. means? Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to define it again if we talk about it again. But uh, that does give us the opportunity to talk a little bit more about it. It, it gives us mm -hmm. another piece of the puzzle. And oh, yeah. uh, we're going to be... Um, we're going to be unpacking that. We're going to be talking about that. Guys, we have so much to look forward to here with Wikipedia Radio. We've got a lot of other guests on there who are just as brilliant um, as Dr. Roach, and we're going to be talking with them about a variety of different things, um, whether it comes to abortion or whether it comes to critical race theory, whether it comes to um, the biblical view 
of marriage, uh, we're, we're going to have a lot of guests on and uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing from them. Guys, uh, I just wanted to thank all of you listeners, uh, first and foremost for listening, but also um, for those of you who have donated to Equipping the Persecuted or Wokipedia, we are very, very grateful for your efforts and for your uh, time and for um, all the investment that you've made into us, guys. We just wanted to plug that because um, the efforts that we're making uh, are for the glory of Christ. And uh, we need to um, we need to be able to continue and advance in that. And um, I think that really we're relying on you guys. We're relying on you guys for feedback. We're relying on you yep. guys um, to uh, spread the word about what we're doing to your friends. We're relying mm-hmm. on you guys in a lot of different ways. And we're very, very grateful that God has given us the opportunity to speak with you and uh, has given us um, an audience um, like you guys. I mean, we've, we've gotten some encouraging messages um, over our email at contactwikipedia at gmail.com um, recently. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Keep doing that. Keep plugging that in. Um, give us a shout out or give us, um, you know, give us an email if you are, uh, you know, if there's something that's going on in your life or in your church where you're like, well, there's, there's some woke stuff happening. And I don't know how to deal with that. Or maybe you just want to spread the word about what's happening so that other people know what's going on in your uh, area. Give us a email at contactwikipedia at gmail.com. And uh, Kyle, is there anything else I should plug here? What do you think? Uh, well, remember, we're looking for some sponsors. We're looking That's for people true. That want we're to looking for with some us in another sponsors. way, too. Yeah. That's right. So um, we have some really, really exciting projects that are potentially coming in with what we're doing with Wikipedia. Um, and I can't say too much, but I can say that it involves um, mini documentary series. And mm. I don't know if we've talked about that before, but um, that is a perspective thing that we are that is now on the table for us. And so we're going to be needing some sponsors. Um, if you are interested in sponsoring us. Uh, where should they contact us, Kyle? Should that be contact Wikipedia or should that be Wikipedia Media? That is Wikipedia Media at gmail.com. Wikipedia Media at gmail.com. Links for that are also in the descriptions of the video or audio. The audio, version. yep. Uh, if you are looking at us online, uh, we want to make things available for you and we need partners, both individuals and organizations, to come alongside us. Uh, and again, partners, not just someone that wants to advertise and just dump some money. No, we are looking for partners. So if you want to be a partner uh, that comes alongside and sponsors and helps us get good, useful content out there, contact us at wikipediamedia at gmail.com. Now, we hope this episode has been a blessing to you. And thank you for listening to Wikipedia Radio. Radio.